Well, let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul kind of stops right in the middle of the uh, barrage of questions about, he's been pounding pretty hard about what, how the Corinthians should live, but the Corinthians have asked a question from chapter 7, saying, now, tell us this, and Paul's going to give a history lesson, as, as Chris mentioned, if you went to Catalyst this morning, you would have uh, got a big taste of this, and we're actually going to pick up and see some things that looks just like you and me today uh, as we look in the mirror. So we're looking in the mirror of the Word of God. Let's begin at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. You were there, say amen. It's important to read from your copy. I know it's up on the screen, and some things I hate about technology, we should probably just eliminate it half the time because this makes us lazy if we're not careful. And Jeremiah puts it online. We can catch the notes later. But let me encourage you to catch the notes with a bulletin while you have opportunity because the Holy Spirit might speak to you right here, right now. You might not hear me, or my English might be so messed up that you go, I can't understand anything this preacher is saying. He preaches too fast. I told you a long time ago, people said, you need to slow down. I said, you need to speed up hearing. Uh, so God wired me tight from birth, and I, this here's my story. That's how we sing it in the country, right? This here's my story. This here's my song instead of this is. And so uh, if we believe Psalm 139, that God knit us together in our mother's womb, uh, some of us, he let spin out when we came out. We haven't stopped spinning yet. And some of us got a slow rotation. So, and, and there's the rest of us in between somewhere. So, today, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to begin in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was, what your Bible say? Christ Jesus, that's exactly right. Verse 5, but with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Verse 7, and do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink, and, to, and they rose up to play. Now, that play is not a football game, nor is it a pickup game. It is a very sensual game, and I know children are in the room today, so we have to be very careful because it's a family worship day. Verse 8, nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the serpents, nor complain. How about this? <laughs> nor complain, nor complain, nor complain. Well, that, that knocks about um, every single person in the room out. Amen? Amen? Have you heard? All right, we got it. And as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Verse 11. Now all things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Verse 12. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he, what did your Bible say? Fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. But God is faithful, who would not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Let's go into the notes. If you have the notes today, uh, let me show you something today. And it's kind of children in the room. What typically is the first word children learn? Do you know what it is? No. Why? Now, you say no a whole lot more than you say yes. They go to touch something that's breakable. No. Uh, they want to touch a hot stove, we say. No. 
They want to go across the street. Well, I'm going to cross the street. The answer is no. And if you're not careful, your children can think their name is no. But that's the first word. That's the very first word we say. Don't touch that. And what do children, once they get in their terrible twos, what do they respond back with typically? You say, don't touch that. And they say, no. They start telling you no. And that's when the, uh, you have a little disagreement, right? And you must win those disagreements as parents. Uh, that's where the foolishness of a child is bound up in their heart. And I believe what the scripture t- teaches, the rod of correction would drive it far from them. Right? The no. The no. The, we give them the no's and then they respond back with the no's. This is true in every culture. Now, something unique in the culture when I was in Kenya, at nighttime, children, babies don't cry. I don't know how they stop them from crying because they're hungry. But I asked the, the missionaries, I said, I don't hear any of the children crying like I do in the U.S., what's wrong? And they said, because if they cry at night, lions will come and eat them. And so the mothers keep them quiet so they won't whimper or cry at nighttime. How that happens, I have no idea, uh, but they sure could. We could bring a bunch of Kenyan mothers here to America to teach uh, us sometimes, could we not? How do you keep a child from whimpering and crying? You can't say a lion's going to come get you because they can't understand that. But that, I don't know what they do or how, how they do, but I just noticed it was, it was, it was eerily quiet at nighttime with all the babies that they had. Well, I want you to see this as well. The easiest way for you to learn something is, good old military figure this out. What's it called? O-J-T. You know what that is? On-the-job training. Usually when you get into the military, they make you promises and go, oh, funding is short, so therefore we're going to assign you with this person or this detachment, and you get to learn on-the-job training. So, you know, it, it can be good and that can be bad because if you go, what does this switch do? And that lets a Hellfire missile go. That uh, you know, that's not good, right? So uh, on-the-job training is good if it's done properly, but on-the-job training is not good if it's done improperly. Have you ever been trained by someone who didn't train you? You had to figure it out, get the manuals yourself, and say, okay, what's the procedure? Or you had to wait till the next shift and ask that guy or that lady, how do you do this? Because I'm not being trained. It's their job to teach me. It's happening more and more in our culture, is it not? Even at McDonald's, when you go through a car line right through, through the drive-through. Uh, there's a way. There's so much mustard, so much mayonnaise, so much ketchup. Whatever you order, there's so much of certain that's cooked a certain way, and it's made a certain way, therefore it comes out a certain way. So the idea is that McDonald's in California tastes like the McDonald's in Carolina, right? That's the idea, right? And that might be a bad example of McDonald's if you don't like McDonald's. Listen, when they come out with Happy Meals, it made me happy, so I still like McDonald's, and I still get happy when I see golden arches when I'm driving. Chick-fil-A does not make me happy, but I won't go there, so uh, that's today. All right? Let's look at the Word of God. Paul is trying to tell the church at Corinth. He said, listen, Christians, take a look. I want you to take a look back to the Hebrews. Look back to our forefathers, because there were Jewish people in the church, as well as Gentiles. And, and Gentile, just as well as you know, I've told you before, Jews and Gentiles, or Jews and Greeks, mean simply this. The Jewish people of God, Gentiles is everyone else. All the nations, that's what it means. White, black, and different. I was watching an interview this week with Muhammad Ali from years ago, and he says, all you white people are devils, right? That was in the interview. And, and the commentator said, no, no, you don't understand. Gentile means, Gentile means anyone not Jewish. No, that's not what my imam says. He says, all you white people are devils. He said, you truly don't believe that. He goes, I believe every white person is a devil, because that's what my imam says. He says, Gentiles mean black, brown, and white people other than Jewish people. Well, you're teaching me something here. I, I got to look that up. And, and he, have y'all seen the, the interview? He goes through notes and notes and notes. He can't find it. But he was not convinced that Gentile meant anyone else other than Jew. 
If you're, not, if you're here today, all it simply means is Jewish people are Jewish people, God's chosen people. From Abraham on, they're still Jewish, God's chosen people. Satan hates them. And did you know that's what's happening in Israel today? It's not because, it's not because there's just a war or skirmish over some simple land. It's because Satan hates the Jewish people, the, the chosen people of God. And he's going to do everything he has since the beginning of the race of people that God chose. He's done everything he can to kill them. You look at Nazi Germany. Look, go through history and look. Everyone, look in America at our college campuses. I never heard one negative thing about Jewish people growing up. Not one thing. Not until I joined the military. And I, I still didn't understand what everybody was saying. But the intent is that, listen, not every Jewish person is godly. Do you know that? They're sinful people just like you and I are, right? They must come by the way of the cross today. They must accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior today. They don't have a special account where they get stepped over because I was born Jewish, I go straight to heaven. That's not true. That's not true of anyone born today, Jew or Gentile. The gospel is for all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, listen, all have sinned. All must come by the way of the cross. I want you to understand this when we look at this. Adults in the child's life ought to model correct behavior. Would you agree? Amen or disagree? The Apostle Paul gives the church at Corinth a history lesson, a warning, and encouragement. Aren't we glad this ends in encouragement today? The last word of my notes is going to be joy. Joy. So let's go into the notes today. The Apostle Paul looked back at Israel's history during their exodus from Egypt. Now he's going to speak of their time in the wilderness some 40 years. And it's called the wilderness of sin. For what reason? Because people were there and people are sinners, right? And why do we have this message today? Because people are here and we are all what? Sinners. And listen, we are saints of God as well if we've given our heart and life to Jesus Christ. But I want you to look at these things that, and we counted this morning in our Catalyst class, how many times do you see the word A-L-L? What does the A-L-L mean? All. It means everyone, every single watch, every single person. We counted at least five. Let's look and see the, the fives that he's, he's got here. Verse 1, all the way through verse 4. The Apostle Paul looks at this. He says, all Hebrews experienced the divine presence of God who went before them in a pillar of cloud. You can look that up at Exodus 13. We won't have time to read it this morning. You see that in your notes, if you got the notes. Exodus 13 and Numbers 9. There was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. What did it look like? The best we can understand is there was this tall, obvious cloud that would come and hover over the tabernacle, the tent, you know, the, the, where God's presence was. It would hover over the tabernacle, and then it was time to move. The, the cloud would lift up. You would start picking up your tent spikes, start packing up your stuff because God's saying it's time to move. Moses was their leader but God ultimately was their divine leader. God was leading them through the desert. So every time the cloud would lift, start packing your bags because we're moving. Sometimes it was a day, two days, sometimes a month. But when you saw that cloud rise, you knew it was time God was moving the people. People were actually moving together. And at nighttime, there was a pillar of fire that would stand by, a cloudy pillar of fire. What did it look like? A fire-nado. I don't know what it is. You know, a shark-nado. It was actually just fire uh, swirling. We don't know exactly what it was, but it was very obvious that God was in the camp. Uh, they could not mistake saying, I wonder if God's here tonight. They could see during the day and they could see at night that God was with them. The Bible even tells us that their flip-flops, their sandals didn't even wear out during this journey. If you find something's made that can last 40 years, you found a good product. Would you agree? And so God was with them. And every time that he was with them, the people of God, that, that's who they were, he brought them out of the land of Egypt, and we're going to see some things that all of them did. They all experienced this. Well, look at the second part of verse 1 there. 
all the Hebrews passed miraculously and safely through the Red Sea on dry ground. Some people are going to get up and argue, is this the Sea of Reeds or is this the Red Sea? It was a large body of water. It was a miraculous thing that happened. Don't let foolish people get entangled with you on the disagreement that God couldn't, he, may, he let them walk across a mud puddle that dried up overnight. Foolish people want to question God. Foolish people want to get into place. Listen, it's okay to ask questions of God. It's not okay to question God. That's what these people did. That was their habit because they were so spoiled. They were slaves in Egypt, and God set them free. They saw the plagues. They saw, well, it's not happening to us, but it's happening to all of them. They saw the Egyptians give them their jewelry, their goods. They said, get out of town. Uh, they saw this Latin, huge herd of people from whether it be 30,000, some people say, or 1 million. Uh, it was a lot of people that had to get out of town. And they got to the shore of the Red Sea, and therefore, what happens? Pharaoh's coming. Pharaoh's like, what did we do? The Bible even says he says that. Why did we let these slaves go? We're going to go get them. So he goes after them, and what stands between them is this cloud. They see that can't penetrate the cloud. The Hebrews see it and say they can't get through, but they're close. Moses, you brought us out here to kill us, to die. They started complaining immediately. Well, they passed. They all passed miraculously, the Bible says, through the Red Sea on dry ground. If we dried up a pond, how long would it take to, for the ground to be less saturated with water. It would take days and weeks and months potentially for a large body of water to actually have a dry bottom. The Bible says they went through on dry ground. That is another miracle within itself. All the Hebrews were baptized into Moses. Well, this is questionable. What, what does this mean? I'll show you. That is, into his safekeeping as their leader. They were identified with Moses and his deliverance by passing through the Red Sea and following God's presence in the cloud. That's what verse 2 says. Look at it. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All that means is that they simply said, you're our leader, we trust you, and we're going through because you said so. Can you imagine walk, uh, passing through with the water towering over you? You had to see something when you walked through. You, I mean, you imagine, the quick, I, I had to get on my uh, uh, roof yesterday. I don't like heights. Don't like them at all. Some people say, are you afraid of heights? No, I'm not afraid until I get up there. All right? I don't like them. So we have a two-story house and then the chimney. And I have little cracks, I thought, in my chimney because I had water when it rained come down the chimney. So I got up there and I'm laying up, oh, dear God, dear God, dear God, dear God. All right. And not only did my wife come out and I said, hey, take a picture because if I fall, this is the last picture you're going to get falling th uh, 30 feet down. The Boeing comes by, gets me some supplies, and then Mackenzie and Chris come by and Kelsey, uh, they, they all come by. Everybody had a free look at Dad up on the chimney, all right? And, and it was like, oh, I, looked, I kept looking down. I was like, don't forget, don't step left, because if you step left, your big old behind is going to roll all the way to the bottom, right? Step left, die. That's what, that was the idea. Come off the chimney, step back, step right, don't step left. And so I didn't want to look down because, ugh, didn't like that look, right? It was certain death. You imagine walking through the Red Sea. You're walking like this going, mm, come on, baby, come on, children. Let's go. It, like, if you look right, you see the big, tall wall of water. If you look left, you see the big, tall wall of water. If you look behind you, what do you see? The cloudy pillar, right? You see God's presence going, God, I hope you're in this, right? And you see the other side. And you see Moses out there outstretched with the rod of God in his hand, and you're like, oh, oh, I hope this is, I hope this is true, right? And I imagine people were not, they couldn't run. I imagine they are walking pretty quick, right? Come on, right? If the donkey don't want to go, leave the donkey, right? Uh, if the children don't want to go, that might be questionable. Let's go, right? 
Imagine how afraid it had, I mean, the fear that had to happen in their hearts when they're looking at that wall of water going, okay, here we go, right? And when they get on the other side, you can imagine the celebration that they had. And then when God says, Moses lift up the rod, and the rod closes on Pharaoh and his army because even they were fearful, but the Bible says they had, God had hardened their hearts that they might follow through and come through and chase after the Hebrews. God did that. And then the Bible says God calls the water to close on the Egyptians, and they can even see some of their bodies floating on the shore because God killed them all. These are primary, prime chariot drivers. These are, these are Pharaoh's top men uh, in the army that he kills. So they, they were baptized. They said, Moses, you're our leader because you follow God. We're being baptized, if you will, into Moses as we go through this Red Sea, trusting that you're going to lead us. Did you know that's what the baptism waters that we have up here are all about? When Jesus said, go make disciples of all the nations, that means you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone who will listen, and even for those who won't. We share the love of Jesus Christ. We were once sinners, listen, but Jesus Christ died once and for all for sinners. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, is what Romans 10, 13 says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. So baptism that we have on a regular basis is a very much a picture. We're baptized with Christ into death, raised to walk in glorious newness, is what Scripture teaches. We're baptized in Jesus. It doesn't save us. Moses didn't save these people. Who saved these people? It was God who gets the credit, not Moses. Moses was just their leader. But today in the New Testament, it is Jesus Christ who saves us. It is Jesus Christ who actually is the living water. It's Jesus Christ who is the spiritual food, the bread of heaven. It's Jesus Christ himself, God himself who came to earth. Right? We're going to sing it at Christmas. Emmanuel, we're going to sing God with us. He came to this earth. He came to die to save sinners from their sins. That's you and that's me. So when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a done, sealed, done thing. But we obey Christ by going through the waters of baptism. That's why it's so important when people say, Pastor, tell me what's wrong with my life. It seems like I'm not close to God. My first question is, have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? That's a yes or no question. Well, I think I have. Well, I've always been a Christian because we went to church my whole life. You cannot go to church your whole life and be a Christian. That's not what it takes. You can sit in church your whole life, but there's no way to become a Christian until you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You, then you will be saved. You say, well, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Then you disagree with God. Look at Romans chapter 3 for yourself if you want to see it. Look at Romans chapter 10. Paul is very clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Listen, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10 is very clear. You must confess with your mouth. You must believe in your heart, not your bloody muscle, but who you are. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe he really was buried, and I believe he rose again. God raised him from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures. I really believe that as I stand here today. The Bible says, listen, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus Christ. Either God's crazy, right? He's a liar, a lunatic, or he's the Lord, as C.S. Lewis said. Well, Paul's trying to tell them, here, listen, these folks were baptized. They believed in Moses, but they knew that it was God doing the work. They were baptized in the cloud and the sea. Well, verse 3, well, look at this. They all ate of the manna, that, that spiritual food. Uh, all the Hebrews ate the same 
spiritual food, manna from heaven. That's Exodus 16 and Numbers 11. Can you imagine today how many people sit and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the words from Jesus in John 3, you must be born again. You have to give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. How many people sit in this congregation? How many people watch by YouTube or watch on Facebook? How many people will hear it over and over again and never receive the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says all of our fathers run into the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses. All ate the same spiritual food. And then it even says all drank of the same spiritual water. That living water who Jesus is. Jesus is living water. The living water. All the Hebrews, the Bible is very clear, verse 4, drank the same spiritual water, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Exodus 17, you can look for yourself. Remember when Moses spoke to the rock? And he spoke to the rock, and out come water? That water was a representation of Christ. Christ was there with his people. Well, how did Jesus, Jesus wasn't born until uh, 2,000 years ago. How did he get there? Listen. Hebrews 13.8, mark that down. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So he was there. He's been there before the beginning. He was there forever. Eternity passed. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the Son, so we would understand. God's given us that picture of himself. The Son had a special purpose. It's called pre-incarnate. Everybody touch your skin real quick so you know. This is the skin, right? This is the carnate. This is the, you're a carnivore, right? Eat meat. This is the skin, Pre-incarnate means before he took on skin, Jesus appeared in Scripture. Jesus appears in the New Old Testament. It's called a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Or, as Mitchell brought up to Chris this week, it's a Christophany. It's a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. It's a theophany in general because it's a picture of God, but very specifically it's a Christophany because it's a picture of Jesus. Jesus was there with him. Paul says, Jesus was the rock of their salvation. Jesus was the living water. So Jesus today still calls himself and identifies himself as the living water. Whoever will drink from this well, remember the woman at the well, whoever drinks from this water will never thirst again. He wasn't talking about the water fountain. He wasn't talking about the creek or the pond. He was talking about himself. He was talking about the living water that only he can give so that when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you live forevermore. I can't die. I know Brenda's family is mourning today and celebrating at the same time. She has drank of the living water, so forevermore she lives in the presence of God. Wherever he may decide to go in the future, guess what? She's with him forever and forevermore. What comforting words we have for each other today, brothers and sisters. But what discouraging words we have for each other if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're very much like all of these people, all who passed through, all who heard, all who drank, all who ate, and yet they didn't believe. They murmured, and Christ, listen, as God works through the camp, they're killed. They die. Only someone over the, under the age of 20 was able to come out and go into the promised land. All the senior adults... All the median age adults, God killed them all. They all died before going into the promised land. Look up for yourself. Go back and read Exodus. Maybe you need to update yourself on what the Word of God says in the book of Exodus if you don't believe that. So verse 1, 2, and 3, and 4 says, all, 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 all had the same message. They all had an opportunity. You have the same opportunity as anyone else in this room. If God is speaking to your heart, you must respond with a yes. You either, either receive Jesus Christ or or you will reject Jesus Christ. 
There's no other option. You say, if you say another day, that's rejecting Christ. The only way to actually know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die is to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And he says, whosoever will may what? Come. It's an invitation. It's like Mike told you earlier. We're having a Thanksgiving meal. If you didn't buy a ticket or get ready, if you're a guest, come. We have food. Listen, we have peanut butter and jelly in the back, I happen to know. If we run out of turkey, I'll personally fix you a peanut butter and jelly biscuit or sandwich or whatever we got back there. There's enough for everybody. The invitation is to do what? To come. Listen, and when you come, guess what you should expect? Good food and fellowship and just laughter and silliness and kids running around and noise. And it's just going to be a time of the church fellowshipping together. It's a beautiful thing. And you don't have to worry about lunch plans. They can be made here. Well, Jesus says, everyone come. I'm giving you the water. I'm giving you the manna from heaven. I'm giving you all these spiritual opportunities and appetites so that you may come. And look what the verse, verse 5 says. What a terrible verse. Ter- verse 5 is a terrible, terrible verse in the Bible. A terrible verse. But God, but with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. He killed them. He let them die all over the desert. The wilderness there, I used to think it was trees when I was a kid because we played in the wilderness. I always thought there was trees everywhere until I started studying and going, wait a minute, it's nothing but a desert. So the wilderness there is just a, it's just a desert. They died all over the desert. They're dropping like flies across the desert there. All right? So all had the experience of trusting Christ, had the opportunity. Today, listen to me, all of you in this room, everyone who ever watches has the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right here, right now, if you're still living. Hear the word of the Lord. You have the opportunity to be saved. If you walk out that door, a lost man, a lost woman, boy or girl, listen, it's on you. And God is not pleased with you when you hear his word and reject his son. Amen? Can I get amen there? He's not pleased with you. He's not happy with you. It doesn't bring him joy when another lost person dies and goes to hell. Listen, he continues. Verse 6 is very clear. The warnings and admonitions took place in your notes and were recorded as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as the Hebrews did. Y'all, we talked about this morning. The Hebrews had tents, camels, and donkeys. What could you possibly crave? They had dirt. They had no pavement. Everywhere were sand spurs and snakes and junk, right? There's nothing good, really, in their camp except the manna that comes from heaven, the living water, and then the quail, of course, God sends on them. And what do the people do? They gripe and complain over and over again. I wish we were back in slavery. wish we were back in Egypt so we could eat meat and onions and leeks. They had none of those things. They were slaves. They had none of that food. They might have could smell it cooking, but they never got a chance to ever eat any of that good food. They're in the presence of God. God's leading them. They see his presence. Don't you ever ask God, just send me a sign? Well, these knuckleheads had a big sign every morning and every night. And if God sent you a sign, you wouldn't believe him anymore than you would by faith right here, right now. We have the Holy Spirit living in us and around us, the Bible says. There's your sign. Here's your sign. It's a 66-book library. That's your sign. God wants you to know what he wants you to know. Amen? And it's here written in our language so we may understand. He first and foremost wants you to be saved. He wants you to be one of his children. There's people out passing today that God's the father of all people. That's not true. He's the creator of all people, the father of some. But with most, he's not pleased. Just like this. You think God's pleased with all the 
child abductions and things that are going on in our world? You think God's pleased what's happening in Israel right now in Ukraine? You think God's pleased what's happening in America? Boys saying their girls and girls saying their boys and, and adults, grown men and women, allowing that to happen? Going, well, that's whatever how they think they are, that's how they are. How foolish and stupid can we possibly be? And I know stupid's in the Bible, just for the record, if that's a bad word in your family. But it's in the Bible. God says they're stupid. We cannot, listen, we cannot put our hand of blessing on immorality. But how do we do it as a church? Going, well, mama, we complain. What has God given us mechanisms to do? Call those people that are representatives. Call those people that make the laws. Call those people that say, we will not stand for this immorality in our town. We will not stand for it in our state, in our country. We will not stand for it. You know what the problem is? We're standing for it in most of our churches today. There's preachers and musicians and people doing wrong things from the stage and then not counting in the, in the uh, congregation. We just allow it to look the other way. You say, not in the church, Pastor. We just covered 1 Corinthians chapter 5, did we not? There was a man who had his stepmother uh, having inappropriate relationships. There's all these sinful things that the church of Corinth is doing. They're worshiping idols. They're eating meat. They don't care about anyone else. They care about themselves. It's happening in the church of Corinth in the day, back in the day, and it's happening in the church at 250 Town Creek Road today. God forbid. Let the people of God rise up and be holy as God's called us to be holy. As he is holy is what he's called us to do. Let us rise up and call sin, sin. Let us live like we should today because God's happy with some of us. Amen? If you obey him, he's happy with you. You must listen, obey, and trust him. Listen, that's why we get to heaven. He says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We must do good, God's good, and we must be faithful to a faithful God. Listen, God's pleased with that, but like this, in the world I believe today and in the church, most he was not pleased with because they keep craving those things that are evil. Verse 7, what's these? Here's a few things they did. Some of the Hebrews there in verse 7 were idolaters and were killed by God. Isn't that, how about that for a sermon note? They put other idols first. Remember, when Moses comes down with the, with the, the tablets of God, he gives them the Ten Commandments, comes off Mount Sinai, and the people there are having this party when it says they rose up, and to play, that play was the very, uh, there's a magazine that had another word behind it for a young male uh, that actually was what they were doing. If y'all remember, I'm trying to give you hints with the kids here. But uh, it was that, that they were doing the most vulgar kind of things and calling it worship. Calling it worship because they'd come out of a pagan society. And they said, look, we need a God. Moses, that man Moses is gone. And Aaron says, okay, take off your earrings, get your son's earrings, get your wife's earrings, get your earrings, and bring them to me. And we're going to take all these gold and throw it into And he fashioned a form, and they threw the gold in there. They throw it in the fire. They had to stoke the fire pretty hot. It melts into a form of a bull or a cow. And they come back going, aha, this is our God who led us out of Egypt. Could you imagine a cow leading you out of Egypt? Can you imagine worship the very thing you're going to eat for lunch? It would be the same as us saying, oh, the turkey led us out of Egypt, and we go in and eat the turkey. These people were idolaters. These people had put, they come out of a pagan background. They knew the truth, but the old way, the evil way, seems so much more fun than the righteous way. Don't, don't you say that sometimes today? Your prayers look like something like this, but God, I know so-and-so, and man, they don't care two things about you, Lord. And here I am suffering and Lord, why would you bless them and not bless me? You ever prayed something like that? A lot of quiet noise in the face. I said, you know, I know you prayed. Listen, you're human. 
You see the wrongdoings in life. You see the right way. And you're, Lord, but the people of God seem like they get punished more than the, than the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. That's what the Bible says about a Christian, right? It's appointed to us to suffer for Christ, for his name's sake. You say, but why? Because God said so through the suffering. Guess what? He receives the glory and you receive the blessing. Go back and read Matthew 5 yourself, what Jesus' own word says. Well, we continue. Some of the Hebrews, verse 8, indulged in and tolerated sexual immorality. God struck 23,000 dead in a single day. That reference there, I didn't put in your notes, number, uh, it's actually Numbers 25, verses 1 through 9. Most people believe that's the reference he's talking about. But there was another time when Korah rebelled against Moses and the earth opens up, an earthquake happened, and sucked in 23,000 people in one day and killed them all and closed back on them. You think God's playing with sin? Not whatsoever. God does not tolerate sin. God does not, he's not play games with people that are called by his name. Some of the Hebrews, verse 9, tested God's patience. They questioned his purpose and exploited his goodness. They were killed by serpents. They were killed by snakes. That's when Moses made the serpent, brown serpent on the pole and said, whoever looks at the pole, God said, whoever looks at the serpent, all you have to do is turn your attention and look to the snake. And if you've been snake bitten by sin, if you're snake bitten, look to the serpent on the pole and listen, you will be healed. And people are like, I ain't believing that. That's dumb. That's too easy. How about Christ on the cross? Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, who died on the cross for your sins, everyone who receives him as your Lord and Savior, everyone, anyone around the world, it's for any culture, any ethnicity, listen, anyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look upon the Savior who died on the cross. Look to the Savior. The serpent was an Old Testament picture of the New Testament Savior. Anyone who looks to Jesus can be saved from their sins. Any of you can be saved from your sins if you just look to Jesus for the salvation of your soul. You say, that sounds too easy. It is so easy a child can understand it and so complex the deepest theologian can understand it. Amen? It's by faith that we trust what God's Word says. It's by faith. And His faith comes from God. So God gave His Son. God gives you the opportunity to believe God gives you the faith to believe, and then God carries through and says, listen, whoever does my will, I will bless them. So it's God who starts it and God who finishes it. Amen? You just must be obedient to Christ. So let's look and see this. Verse 10, this is us right here, right? This is us, but for sure. Some of the Hebrews complained and were discontented with God. This is, your King James says, I like the word King James better, murmuring, murmuring. They're just griping and complaining. You ever been around somebody who gripes all the time? Feel like you need a shower when you leave their house, or you leave like, ah, I just, I just gotta get that off of me, because they sound every time you say God is good. Some other time, it's all the time God is good. Amen. Listen, I, I, we said it this morning. If seventy-five percent of stuff's going good, twenty-five percent's going bad. What do we dwell on? Twenty-five percent. If we're not careful. Talk about the 75%, how good God is in the three-quarters of your life. If it's reversed, 25% is going good. I don't know how you measure that, but celebrate God. If you've got 2.5%, celebrate God's goodness, amen, because he's worthy of it all. Now, he's worthy of our praise and glory because he's God. It is he who saved us, not we ourselves. While we were yet sinners, Christ did what? He died for us. What an amazing God we serve today. Verse 11 and 12, let's finish this up. This is the equipping word for us today. No one is immune to temptation. Paul's very clear. 
There's no temptation that you've taken on going, wow, I'm so tempted you won't understand. I don't care if you're tempted for uh, same gender relations. I don't, I don't care if, it's, if you're tempted by, to believe whatever it might be that, that we're from aliens. You can be tempted in any kind of way. I don't know your temptations. Yours aren't necessarily mine, but every temptation is common to man, every single one. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all kind of ways that we were tempted. But did Jesus ever sin? No. And by the way, Jesus couldn't sin, just for the record. We get into a theological debate. Why waste your time? He's the Son of God. He's perfection on earth. Jesus could not sin. The end. If you want to argue about that, go talk to somebody else. You're wasting my time. Amen? Because he's the perfect Son of God. The end. No, dis no discussion. I don't care what you think you think you know. He was the perfect Son of God. You wouldn't believe the number of preachers that said, listen, could he have sinned if he wanted to? He didn't want to. He was God. God cannot and will not sin. He was tempted, but he never sinned. We're all tempted today. Listen, brothers and sisters, even right now, you, you, bad thoughts can come to mind while you're reading the Scripture, while you're praying. You can be tempted to be jealous. You can be tempted to envy. Fill in the blank. Temptations come to all of us today. And what do we do? Listen, let's read that one more time from verse 13 and 14. Excuse me, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except as such as common to man, meaning everybody on the planet, pick a, pick a, pick a continent, pick a country, pick a people, they've all been tempted in similar ways. I told you, the Hebrews had nothing but dirt, tents, camels, and donkeys, right? They didn't have Cadillacs, they didn't have nice houses, uh, they, were, they didn't even have apartments. They had to pick up and go when he said to go. They were tempted, and all these other ways we just read they were tempted, they did all those wrong things. Here's the most important part, but, but God is faithful, amen? I've got to underline in my Bible, divine faithfulness, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, when it comes, will make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Isn't that a good news? He's making a way. He knows it's coming because Adam and Eve sinned back in the day. He knows everybody born is going to sin and be tempted to do the wrong thing. Eve was tempted with food. With food, with a fruit tree. How many of y'all hate fruit today? Don't raise your hand. Wendy will be the first one, right? It was fruit she was tempted with. You say, well, you don't understand my temptations. Mine are so strong, my compulsions. You're right, don't understand them, but there is a God who does. And he says, listen, James chapter 1, if you want to read more on this, put, look that up, read it today. James 1, especially verse 12, you're tempted, well, Mike read it this morning, you're tempted when temptation comes and then it gives birth to sin, if you're not careful, sin sets in and brings about death like it has from the beginning. God, look at verse 13, God is faithful. Last, let us note, God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy. You say, well, he killed all those people because they were living in sin and they would not turn back to God. They were warned over and over again. Just like before the flood, how many people were warned? Noah built the ark and he preached every day. And listen, he had to use a bunch of lost people in town to help him build that ark. He didn't build that ark by himself. Who did he preach to? All the construction workers that came to build the ark. And guess what they were doing when it started to rain? <laughs> Mr. Noah! Mr. Noah! And the Bible says God shut the door. And only eight out of the entire planet was saved. You think God is serious about sin? Yes, he is. And God's serious about love. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Why? Would you ever not be faithful to him? 
He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist, but along with the temptation he has in the past and is now and will always provide the way out. Why would God do this? Here's my question. I was asking myself this, really, and I gave it to you. So you will be able to endure temptations that come in your life and have his complete joy in the process. Temptations coming. Temptations happening right now to you, potentially. But it's coming today if you're not tempted right now. It's coming. What do you do? The Bible says take every thought captive and say, God, I can't. I'm tempted to be angry with you. I'm tempted to do this lustful thing. I'm, I'm tempted, Lord, help me. And the Bible says he's there. He's faithful. He'll see you through so that you might have joy and your joy might be complete in Christ alone. Don't we serve a good God? This Thanksgiving, that's what we thank, thank God for. Not thank you for the food. Not thank you for the pilgrims and Indians or whatever the stories are in, in anyone's life. Around the world today, Thanksgiving is simply this. Thank you, God, for being so faithful. Amen? He's faithful, forever faithful is the God that we serve. What are you going to do with him this day? Do you know that you know that you know you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Have you given your life to Christ and then turned back around and you said, oh, he said to be baptized, I've never been baptized by immersion. Listen, there is but one way in the scripture. Baptism is always by going under the water. It's always a picture of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. If I grab water and throw it on your head, that is not baptism. If I pour water on your head, that is not baptism. Baptism is always by immersion. You say, well, I don't like that because I'm Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, fill in the blank. Again, I love you, but I don't really care what your background is. I care what the Word of God says. Amen? Make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them. Baptizo. Sink them in the water. Bring them out of the water. It pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I care what he cares about. I say what he says about Scripture. Listen, he is the author uh, of, and the finisher of our faith, is he not? So do we yield to him or do we yield to traditions and practices? We yield to Jesus. We always marry. Is this tradition something keeping in keeping in line with the word of God? And if the answer is yes, we praise and move on. We can have those traditions. But if it's a no, let's ditch them like a bad, bad hairdo. Amen? Get rid of them. Move on for Jesus' sake. Hey, if you're here today, you've given your life to Christ, you have been baptized, baptized by immersion, listen, what are you doing for Christ right now? Because Jesus said you must make disciples. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. You've been saved by his grace, right, through faith. Not of your works. You can't, you can't brag that you did it yourself. You can't boast. And then he says he's got works for you to do. There's an assignment sheet with your name on it. My question to you today as we close and as we go into Thanksgiving, would you say you've checked off the list for this past week what you're supposed to be doing for Jesus? Not just living. Well, I've been good. I've been praying. And No, no, no. All that's given. Read your Bible, that's given. Praying, that's given. Serving, that, that's, that, that's given. Your financial gifts to the Lord, that's a given. But I'm talking about going and making disciples. That's knocking on doors and feeling uncomfortable inside. I'm so nervous. I feel sick that I'm going to tell someone's going to reject me. But i got to tell you about Jesus. We're about to get together with our family. And everybody says, we well, don't understand, Pastor. The family's the hardest one to reach. You can't reach them if you don't tell them. You've got to speak your words, right? It's by faith. Listen, faith comes by, uh, uh, by the word of God. You've got to speak it forward to their name. And they say, well, I don't want to talk. Don't talk about me that Jesus stuff. Hey, you, okay, I know you're leaving, but I'm going I'm to catch you. you. Listen, you go here. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. You're going to hell. That might be the shortcut. Just tell everybody that. That's what I was told more than one time. You knucklehead, you're going straight to hell. That's what I heard. 
And guess what I would hear when I lay on the pillow? Is that biblical, by the way, if I'm lost? To tell somebody they're going to hell? Try it here at Thanksgiving. You got that lost sister, brother, cousin, uncle? Just look to them and say, you're going to hell. And walk out with a turkey leg. <laughs> is that truth in the word of God, yes or no? Yes, it is. And guess what they're going to think about? You self-righteous, holy road. You think you go to that church, you think, and they'll fill in the blank, right? But guess what happens when they lay on the, on the head on the pillow? The Holy Spirit's going, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. Because it's the word of God, and it won't return void. You cannot run the word of God. You cannot run the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Guys, listen, we serve an awesome God. Father, do what only you can do, Lord. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.